Hey, welcome to, from our perspective, two therapists, moms, and a mic. My name is Katie Truex. And I'm Claudia Glassman. And today we are going to talk about sensory sensitivity. Yes. Which, I don't know. I don't know if I'm more aware of it or if it's actually happening more and more. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of conversations with people about it. And I feel like it shows up a lot in parenting because of the loss of control of your environment yeah when you lived alone Mm -hmm. you know it could be quiet when you wanted quiet it could be loud when you wanted loud and now it's like there's toys everywhere so if you're a neat person you know that's a challenge if you don't have loud noises and your children are loud that is a challenge totally yeah. Well, do you see this in kiddos too, or just parents? Um, I see kids with sensory sensitivity too, but I don't know if it's one of those things that like, we just respect it more. Okay. Or it's a new thing. Like I, I remember my mom telling me a story about how much she, cause like, I have like texture stuff, right? Like I like, like soft yeah. clothes. I don't like tags, you know, the norm. <laughs> Um, I remember even as a kid, like I wouldn't buy a pair of jeans when I was little, unless I could do the splits in every direction. Oh yeah. I would be in like the changing room with like my little legs shooting out of the door. Right. (laughs) And and my mom just like entertained it. But my mom did tell me like when she was a kid, she hated wool because she thought it was itchy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And like, she's like, but I didn't have a choice. Like wool stockings, there you go. Right. So I'm wondering if it was just different in parenting, like shut up and wear this. You'll be fine. Yeah. Versus now children can say that doesn't feel good on my body. And there's a respect for that, that maybe that wasn't before. Also options. I mean, right. More choices in things than there was, you know, years and years ago. So true. So much interesting stuff to think about. Okay. So before we get too far into this conversation, should we define this kind of like we usually do? Oh, that might be helpful. Cause yeah, (laughs) for those that are not quite sure what we are talking about. Well, and, and, you know, in all fairness, like this isn't, and tell me if I'm wrong, because um, to be honest, like I was trained in the former revision of the DSM. <laughs> so I'm not always hundred percent like accurate on what's in our current DSM um, and what is in the old one that I was trained to use. And in my line of work, I don't have to officially diagnosed very often. And so I get to kind of skirt by with that. But so tell me if I'm wrong, but this is not something that is like an official quote unquote diagnosis, right? It's something that can be part of um, some, a few, several different diagnoses, but not also by the same token and um, can be standalone and free of any diagnosis itself. Is that right? Am I That's kind right. of thinking about that? Okay. And so the way I kind of think about this then is, so we have five senses, right? Sight, sound, touch, taste, and smell. And I like to think of sensory sensitivity on a spectrum, right? Where each of us has a different threshold for how much input we can process or process well without it affecting our nervous system's regulation um, and 
therefore other things as well, which we can talk about, right? But um, so whereas some people can take a lot of um, different visual stimuli, they love a lot of color, they love a lot of decorative items around them. Um, they love places that are full of lots of stimuli, right? Um, some people like a lot of noise. A lot of the time they like really loud volumes on things, um, listen to the radio or podcasts constantly, right? Like in the car, um, love a noisy house, right? It feels comforting. Um, love a lot of touch, right? Bigger huggers, big, strong hugs, right? Like lots of, you know, high fives and, and lots of maybe um, activity. And then let's say on the other end of the spectrum are people who really don't tolerate much of those things well at all. And then most of us fall somewhere in the middle. Yes. Or you can tolerate some things, but not others. Uh -huh. right? So maybe yeah. loud noises don't bother you, but clutter drives you nuts. Right. So, right. and it's interesting. I do find like for myself and you and I have talked about this, like as I get older, <laughs> <laughs> those things feel like they get worse. I know. Now, and I think that might be true for everyone, right? That like stereotype of like, turn the music down, it's too loud. Yeah. Like there is something to that. Like our <laughs> senses get overloaded a little bit. Things that didn't used to bother me drive me crazy now. Um, right. But yeah, so it is, it is kind of, you know, experienced in the different senses and it varies for people on, on which sense gets assaulted easier versus not. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So what's your profile? Mm. Which of the five senses get you and which don't you, aren't you bothered by? We know honestly, you just said that. Uh, on a, uh, mo <laughs> most senses bother me. <laughs> well, yeah, and this is my point. Like I've gotten to the point where I am easily offended by certain smells. Yeah. Okay. If, if it's someone's too strong, a perfume that didn't used to bother me now. I'm like, Oh, mm. Um, also in part because I, I try to lead a less toxic lifestyle. So I don't do a lot of synthetic fragrances. So I'm a little more sensitive to that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, noise, if I'm not the one creating it mm -hmm. or in control <laughs> of it. Um, yeah. Uh, clutter and messes drive me crazy. Uh, honestly, I'm not sure. And I, I do get overtouched sometimes when we've got, um, you know, my kids, they're super, uh, affectionate. They like a lot of touch and hugs and grabbing and yeah. hanging and clinging. And sometimes that's too much. Um, mm -hmm. so I, all senses, <laughs> all of them. Um, not taste, not taste. Taste does not bother you. <laughs> oh, taste. I got it one that I no, does not offend me. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm not. I'm yes. And texture. Uh, uh, actually, no, that's touch clothing textures bother me too. Yeah, no, I've got all of them except for taste. Same. I'm the exact same way. And you and I, we do have a large degree of control over our environments, right? To your point of like, okay, well, I mean, yes, we do have other humans that we live with that we can't fully control, but we do get to set some parameters for our homes and right. We get to decide what colors we surround ourselves with and what clothes we wear and how the lights are in our environments and whether we have noise on in the background or whether it's quiet, right? And a lot of people don't get to do that. So where you and I might not have as many like manifestations of maybe sensory overload or as frequently um, as other people who have to, because of their lifestyles, move around in the world in environments that are controlled by other people, whether it's a child in school or an adult in, um, 
maybe like an office environment that they're not in charge of, or even I heard a parent talk today about um, Halloween feeling very overwhelming for him and um, all of the sensory input around noise and color and, you know, just chaos, right? And um, temperature stuff too, even, right? That that can contribute to this. Um, And essentially really kind of what I think about, the way I think about what happens is it's kind of like a nervous system overload, right? Like the nervous system has difficulty staying calm and staying, staying um, regulated well. I, I'd say sometimes I feel like somebody kind of stuck a cattle prod somewhere in my <laughs> nervous system, my neurons, it's kind of like, right? And like the only way I can get out of that state is by turning the volume down. And I joke with my husband about needing a sensory deprivation tank, right? But like turning the volume down on all of that input. And it usually doesn't take too long, but getting very quiet or going in nature, being alone, not having a lot of touch, right? If I'm overtouched um, to come back, but again, not everybody has this awareness. So maybe today we can help empower some people with some of this awareness and putting some names on some of their experiences. Uh, Cause I think this can be very confusing for a lot of people unless they know about this and they know what's going on for them. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because I see that dysregulation and that almost like an agitation that starts to brew, right? Uh-huh. When you're in an environment where you can't control it and you're aware that there are certain things that are, are getting to you. You know, I've had conversations even in the last couple of weeks about, you know, parents struggling with their kids' clutter or struggling mm-hmm. with the noises their kid makes and getting agitated, but understanding, well, they're just kids, but I feel agitated, right? Uh-huh. Or coworkers being super noisy. Yeah. And it almost feels like an invasion of their ability to work and their space because mm-hmm. there's so much noise and chaos. And then that builds an agitation. Right. And again, those are people that can't necessarily escape that moment, right? But yeah, it comes up for us in a lot of ways. And and for me, I think it became more apparent becoming a parent because, you know, there's more people in my house. Like I can clean and keep things the way I want, but the second someone else enters the room, that is not going to stay that way, right? And (laughs) there's more, you know, we all have different sensory profiles. Mm -hmm. So like, and they change over time. So true. You know, Hansley used to fall asleep. Adam and I were joking, it was like a nightclub. She wanted the music turned up really (laughs) loud. It was like pop music, not Mm -hmm. like lullabies. And that is how she fell asleep every night. Now she has lullabies playing on the quietest setting and it's too loud, right? Over time, it just shifts. It's very interesting, right? So also an awareness that like your sensory profile today may not be yours 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. And it's probably not the same as it was 10 years ago. Totally true. I wonder if there's, I don't know, I should dive into this, but I'm wondering if there's like research on that. There's gotta be a reason for it. Well, I have heard things around um, adrenal relationship or the relationship between the adrenals being overly stressed or taxed and somewhat fatigued or underperforming mm-hmm. and increased sensory sensitivity, kind of like, um, you know, our adrenals are our stress glands and release cortisol to combat stressors. And when they kind of like peter out a little bit because they've been overworked in our society and our, our day and age of chronic stress, um, 
they don't combat stress as well, right? And, and but it's interesting to think even about sensory input as being a source of stress. And a lot of times, again, we don't think this way. And and I, for me, what I see in my adult clients is a lot of self shaming, mm-hmm. um, a lot of feelings of guilt or inadequacy. Um, I see marital problems because of this. I've had two couples that I can think of right now where there are constant conflict over household cleanliness. And it has taken a while to whittle it down to, okay, it's not controlling behavior. It's not narcissistic behavior. It's not like um, king of the castle type behavior or type A behavior. It's literally it seems at least at this stage in both couples that I'm thinking of right now, truly a manifestation of sensory overload for one partner where the other partner isn't as affected by it. Right. Mm -hmm. Or uh, at all. Um, I've seen this in teenagers where they've come and said, I'm just too emotional or even labeled it as anxiety. But once we get really clear about what's actually happening, it's not any of those things. It's purely sensory sensitivity. So have you heard this term highly sensitive person? Yes. HSP. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about that term? So, I mean, the way I kind of <laughs> conceptualize it is someone who is easily impacted by all of the sensory inputs. Okay. <laughs> um, but still able to function, Uh right? And I do think some people are more sensory aware than others, almost like a hyper, hyper vigilance to our internal state or our internal Mm -hmm. or our experience of our senses, right? Um, What were your thoughts? Where Where are you thinking of heading with that? Well, I just saw an article that came across somewhere. My, I think it was my email. Um, I'll see if next time it's your turn to talk, I can pull up the source because it was the best article I've read on this in a while. And I usually, I used to have kind of a visceral aversion to that. I think because of that stigma of the word sensitive, right? And one of the things that I liked about the article was she just addressed that stigma directly and said, you know, it used to be that we would say people are just, oh, you're so sensitive or don't be so sensitive or you're too sensitive or you're too emotional. Right. And that was just shaming. And it didn't help anybody with anything. Cause when you're already feeling flooded, right. Overloaded for somebody to shame you or judge you for that. Right. When you can't control it, maybe you don't even understand it. Um, it just makes it 10 times worse, right? So I used to have a real aversion to that label. And plus, I don't really, I don't know, this might be an ego thing for me as a clinician, but I don't like when people just like make up like diagnostic stuff that like doesn't actually yeah. exist in our diagnostic manuals, either the ICD or the DSM. Like that kind of just rubs me the wrong way for some reason. But um, I don't know. We can dig into that another time, my own pathology, but, but so, so that to say, I have not really liked that up until now, but I did read this article and the way she described the highly sensitive person was very similar to the way I have talked with my clients over the years about sensory sensitivity. And like you said, kind of just someone who takes longer or can't process as much sensory input or at the same speed 
as somebody who doesn't have the same sensitivities. And um, one of the things that, that she also said in this article, I really liked as well, was that it takes longer to process, right? So not only is it that we can't necessarily like hold as much sensory input. And I kind of think of it as like a balance, like, you know, those old, the scales, like at the grocery store or something, right. We're like, okay, I can take, um, X amount in my basket, let's say. And it doesn't matter if it's sight, sound, touch, taste, or smell, but once it gets to a certain point, like I can't take any more, my basket's full. And if more starts pouring in, and then I have this like zzz, <laughs> Fritz thing, you know, where I'm like electrocuted from the inside out. Um, but what she also said was sometimes even just two things I think was interesting, right? Like an internal stimuli, which I think we often forget to recognize. So the thoughts that are happening on the inside or even any physical sensations that are happening on the inside, right? So digestive distress or allergies or headaches, right? These things are pain in the body, right? These add to that sensory load. And then she also talked about um, just having time to process through that the brain takes longer to process our experiences. And I, I read this article um, a, a few days before a day where I had had a day that was just back to back to back full of different types of input. And it wasn't a bad day at all, but it was a day where um, I got up early and I had to travel to a medical appointment and then travel back. And then I had to come to the office and I saw, I think five clients that day and then left immediately from the office to go to my child's trunk or treat. And none of that was bad. It was all completely fine. I got my Starbucks on my drive. I had my alone time on my drive. It was just fine. Benign medical appointment that I had to go to. My office day, I don't remember anything disturbing about it. Trunk or treat was delightful. It's just a beautiful experience. Um, but at the end of the day, right, I was exhausted, came home, fed my family, poured myself into bed. And then I woke up in the middle of the night. And all of those, that day's experiences were just running through my mind, almost as if I was reliving them. And again, it wasn't anything distressing, but it was like my brain was too tired to, to take it all in, or I didn't have enough space. I didn't have enough of that emptiness to really process any one thing that I'd gone through that day. And so in the middle of the night, right, you get up to go potty and you're laying there and you're trying to like fall back asleep. <laughs> and like all this stuff was just like I, all the visual stimuli, all the colors at the trunk or treat, right? And and the faces that I saw and the clients and being on the road. And, you know, it was all like, it was right there running through it's my mind fresh and new. Yeah. And I never thought about that before. And so I really appreciated the article kind of highlighting that as like a form of this, like processing. Um, I won't, I'm not going to use the word disorder. Let's just say um, uniqueness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, and, and right, disordered in, in what way? And that's the thing is like, you know, I think we pathologize a lot of so potentially normal experiences, you know? Yeah, we were just talking the, about that earlier. Mm -hmm. The more I talk to clients and I sometimes wish they could all hear each other's sessions just for this reason, because mm -hmm. I'll hear something like, I'm, you know, I, am I normal? This is so weird. And I'm like, you and like everyone I talk to, right? Including right. myself. Like yes. there is some level of... Uh, of, you know, we get bombarded. And I do also wonder, part of me kind of goes to this place of like, is it, the world moves faster than it used to. So this idea of like mm -hmm. processing your experiences, 
when we're moving 3 million miles an hour to one appointment to the other, to doing a session, to jumping on here, to going over here, right. you're not, you don't have time to process. So are our senses getting overloaded? We are sensory wise more um, stimulated than before. We've got phones that constantly ping and ring, alerts pop up, emails, you know, computers and blue lights and music in every place you go to and traffic and all of these things that, you know, as the world shifts, our senses are more assaulted than they used to be. There are very few places I can go where it is truly quiet. Even when I go for a walk, I can hear traffic in the distance, some horn honking, some siren blurring. And, and a lot of it I can I can tune out. But I'm also wondering if there's that increase just because we don't have sensory deprivation tanks anymore. Like it used to be you'd go outside and it was relatively quiet. And dark, right? And dark. And now yeah. it's like streetlights mm -hmm. are everywhere. Like there's always something. And so I do right. think you know, we're, we're constantly bombarded with flashes of light. If you watch TV, it's like nonstop changes yeah. of things. And, and so I do think that there's something to the increase we're feeling is maybe because we're all a little bit more tapped out than mm -hmm. we thought. Mm -hmm. And we don't even know we're being impacted, right? Because we don't, we just move through life and don't stop to think about how mm -hmm. much we're taking on in any given moment. Yeah, that's a really good point, right? And then, you know, for some reason, you have the the end of the spectrum where we have people who take more input and roll with that well and easily yeah. as like and the norm, it. right? They want it, right? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and but we compare ourselves against that. Like, and if we're, we're not that way, right? Um, ooh, what's wrong with us, right? Or, or we're not being a patient enough parent or we're not being a good enough friend or we're not being fun enough or right whatever it is right because there's this comparison I, I remember when I was gosh early 20s reading an article in psychology today magazine it said there it was called entitled the revenge of the introverts and it talked about this phenomenon of how our society kind of glorifies extroversion which is a, a close cousin to um that more um or a higher level of comfort with sensory input, right? Because if you think about people who are very, very extroverted, they are constantly craving and seeking contact with other humans, right? And that can be touch, it can be talking, which is noise, it can be, you know, being present with other people physically, which is sight, right? So, you know, a high level of comfort and need for that is extroversion, right? recharging by being around other people. Like for me, as somebody who's more introverted, even though I am outgoing um, and who is sensory sensitive, that feels like a nightmare to me, right? Like, you know, cause we've been friends for years and years and I only call you on the phone when I've had a very quiet day. And it's typically like if I've had few clients to see or a few other phone conversations that I've had to field or emails that I've had to field. Cause to me, all of that noise and, and, dialogue is noise to me, which is going to sound really crazy unless you're like listening to this and you're like, oh my God, me too. Right. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. even like thoughts in my head or emails or texting, even though I'm not speaking or hearing with my ears, right. Like it still accumulates to me as in sensory input 
in my brain, right? And so I have a threshold. And if I hit that threshold, like I can't do more, right? And so for me, because of my job, like friends are kind of like, unfortunately, like, like extra in some ways, right? Because I have to talk to people all day, every day. And so when it comes to like, do I have the energy, the 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 space left in my basket for more, more noise or more thoughts or more things to consider? Um, sometimes the answer is no. Although interestingly, and riddle me this, I don't know why this is true. For some reason, being in person is so much easier for me. Even like the Zoom is so much easier than even talking on the phone. I don't know why that is. I'm sure it's something neurological. We'll figure that out another day, but who I agree with that though too. I think there's something, um, feeding off of energy when you're in person versus when you're on the phone, there's a little bit more disconnect. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, um, I agree with that. Cause I'm the same way. Like I get, you know, we've talked about this, like you're just talked out or you just don't feel like engaging in anything anymore, people, places, things. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, and the, again, as with all our podcasts, no magical answer here, but I no. think it's really being aware. Yeah. Because when I have conversations with people about the way their sensory experience impacts their mood, their behavior, um, their ability to cope with various things, right? It's kind of like the same thing when you're hungry, right? Like why do people get cranky and mean? Your ability and your patience when you're hungry is not what it is for a lot of people that it would be if you were well-fed and comfortable, right? Yeah. So really becoming aware in, in a realistic way of saying, okay, here are the things that flood me. And when I get flooded, I get agitated, I get grumpy, I get impatient, I get all the things, right? And then coming up with a strategy of how to regroup. Yes. Right. And that does mean for most people to maintain through the day, it's probably small things, mm -hmm. right? It's withdrawing for five minutes here or there before you get flooded, right? Knowing like, oh, I've been in a lot of meetings today. Let me go regroup for five minutes. Yeah. Right. Or mm -hmm. let me go like for a walk outside of the office because these people won't stop talking and I'm really starting to get agitated and figuring out ways to kind of regroup and ground yourself again before putting yourself back in that environment. But we can only do that if we know and are aware that these are the things we're struggling with. Yeah. And accept that rather than like shaming ourselves or, or thinking that we're bad or wrong in some way for having these limitations. Right. Yeah, that's right. And, mm -hmm. and really understanding and recognizing that you're, sensory profile for lack of a better word may not match someone else's and that is okay and that is true most likely in your marriage and with your kids and in mm -hmm. relationships and friendships right like I've got friends that like they are seekers you know they seek a lot of social they seek a yeah. busy life and it stresses me out just to think about it let alone live that life you know but there's just an understanding of okay I operate differently like mm -hmm. my level of zen and what feels good to me may not match you, may not match my husband either, right? And so mm -hmm. we have to kind of navigate. Um, but I think it's helpful to understand yourself, understand your children's. Yeah. You know, the parents that are like, my little kid screams every time we're in a public bathroom. I still, do you know, I still have to block the automatic flushers for both for my kids when they use the bathroom with toilet paper mm -hmm. because they don't like automatic flushers. Yeah. It drives them nuts, right? And it's like, instead of me getting angry about it to recognize a public bathroom is a complete assault on a lot of your senses. It's like smells and noise and people. Right. It's like all the things, you know? Um, yeah. 
but understanding it for your children and the other people in your life, right? To, to say, okay, they're experiencing this world differently. So instead of getting frustrated with their behaviors or their refusal to go to the grocery store because it's too much for them, like how do I help those people regroup and find some balance so that they can like navigate through the world? Yeah, I love that. My daughter said something to me, I think last night we were snuggling and um, I was doing something mindless. I think we were watching TV and I was like playing with her hair. Dude, I don't know, you know how you just do things and you don't even really notice it. And she says, I don't like that touch, mom. Mm. I was like, oh, good for you. <laughs> it's like so proud, right? Because, you know, like you said, empowering ourselves and empowering our children and even our spouses right or friends to recognize what does feel good and what doesn't and just accepting that right and not forcing ourselves outside of our comfort zones you know I mean of course now we're not talking about extremes here like I, we would never advocate anybody although I have considered how beautiful it might be to have a padded room in my house but <laughs> you know I'm not talking agoraphobia here right I'm not talking anything like that although you know to each his own but like you know, but to have that sense of self-awareness and giving that self-permission. And like you said, developing coping skills, whether it's um, kind of regrouping, walking away, turning the volume down, or like we were talking about earlier, because we do have the, the beauty of being able to be so in control of our environments. You know, if people were to walk into both of our spaces, for the most part, we live in pretty like serene somewhat monochromatic environments you and I right where like and we have comfortable clothes like my husband jokes that I have my work jammies and my home jammies and basically <laughs> the difference is where I wear jewelry with them or not right <laughs> yeah and um you know having the ability to regulate ourselves right kind of proactively knowing our limits and then developing some languaging around how to communicate that well with other people and particularly the people who we live with and interface with the most right to be able to whatever the those keywords right like for me it's okay mommy's starting to feel overwhelmed or that's a little bit too much sensory input like my family knows those terms for me right and yeah. Um, Ellie last night saying, mommy, I don't like that touch. Like, oh, okay. Absolutely. Right. Like love that she could recognize that and communicate that and kind of ward off any sort of meltdown that could come if she didn't know that about herself and didn't know how to use that language or didn't give herself permission to use that language and just left that touch that didn't feel good to her accumulate until she kind of fritzed a little bit. Right. Well, and for you to hear that and accept it too. Right. right. Because sometimes we don't honor other people's experience because we don't share that. Right. Like, oh, I love having my yeah. hair. Like, Why don't you? It feels good to right. me. Why don't you like it? Because it's hard for us to see outside of ourselves, really. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think also once you understand that about yourself and can deal with it in a non-shameful, just matter of fact way, like I don't like this touch. I like that touch. Right. Or I don't like this. I like that then I think you can approach other people with more respect too. Yeah. Right. Just, oh, she doesn't like that touch, but she right. likes this touch. Right. Or yeah. I mean. But it doesn't have anything to do with you. Right. And I feel like we could talk. About right. It's not personal. It's yeah. the right. sensory input. It's not like, I don't like you. Right. I don't like that touch. That doesn't feel good to me, even though it might feel good to someone else. That's right. You know? Right. And I mean, I think we all are aware of it on some level. Like I like really deep massages that like really get the knots out and mm -hmm. Adam's like, you know, it's basically like gentle petting. I'm like, what is that doing? <laughs> but to him, like what I would prefer is like torture. Why would anyone do that? 
mm-hmm. right? Like that doesn't feel good. That's not relaxing. And to me, what he does is like, oh, that's like a tickling. I don't like that either. Right. So it's yeah. like, you know, so we see it in a lot of like, you know, silly ways, but we don't, we kind of blow past it and don't pay much mind all the ways that the sensory, our sensory responses can really impact the way we navigate the world. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, yeah. as always, if you guys see this posted, ask questions, let us know what other pieces you want for us to address or to touch on or to talk about how this manifests in your life. If you have stories to share, uh, ways this has been um, powerful for you, this topic of sensory sensitivity, or sensory input, or even that highly sensitive person kind of HSP um, label that some people like to use around issues similar to this. Um, let us know, make a comment on one of our posts. We're going to post this on Instagram, on Facebook, and we, our podcast is on both Spotify and what's it called on Apple iTunes? No, it's Apple podcast. I don't know. On Apple podcast, maybe. And it might be technologically savvy. (laughs) I think it's on other things too, but I don't know how all that works. (laughs) We're so bad at, we're so bad at that part guys. Hopefully we're okay with the conversation. Hey, this is, this is, this is a two person run show. So I love it. Oh, I have to do more. Okay, fine. Oh, listen, I don't know what we don't know. Okay, mm-hmm. this the article that I was referring to earlier, let me just give some credit here and then we'll wrap up because I have a client in the waiting room, but it is on belongingly.com, B-E-L-O-N-G-L-Y.com. The name of the article is The Highly Sensitive Person Lifestyle. Yes, it's real and glorious. It was written October 2nd of this year by Dr. Elaine Daniels, who's a Boston-based private practice psychology and coach. Mm. I recommend it. I think it's great. Um, I think she did a very good job talking about a a topic that is somewhat controversial using words that are somewhat loaded. And um, so look her up and read her little article. I've shared it with a lot of people and just feel really great about it. So I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to this and we'll listen to us again next time. All right. Bye. Bye.